Hello and welcome to Witchy Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Lauren Cholantani, women's holistic health coach and fellow recovering perfectionist. This podcast was created to show you that your body is not in the way, it is actually leading your way. Hello, hello, welcome back to Witchy Wellness, and you are listening to 168 Stop Fixing Yourself with Don Joseph Goey. I am very particular about the type of CBD and hemp products that I use. There's so much hype and lack of testing and quality in the industry. So the company that I love and use is Evo Hemp. Not only do they have a beautiful product like hemp seeds, CBD oil, gummies, even hemp chocolate, protein bars, protein powder. They also support a 40-acre co-op farm in Minnesota, which is farmer-owned, focusing on bringing quality and innovation back to Black, Indigenous, and other socially disadvantaged farmers. So if you are looking into trying any type of CBD or hemp products, head over to evohemp.com. The link is in the show notes and make sure you use code witchy, W-I-C-T-H-Y for 20% off of your purchase. And without further ado, please enjoy episode 168, Stop Fixing Yourself with Don Joseph Goey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Witchy Wellness Radio. Again, this is a show you learn how your body and your emotions are not in the way. They are actually leading your way. And today we're talking with the wonderful Don Joseph Goey. He is the director of the Center of Spiritual Exchange, the official archives of the works of Anthony DeMello, regarded as one of the great spiritual minds of the 20th century, influencing likes of Eckhart Tolle and Thomas More. John Goey recently edited a new published book by Simon and Schulster entitled Stop Fixing Yourself and Wake Up, All is Well, based on Anthony DeMello's Practical Spirituality. He is author, also the author of an Amazon bestseller, The End of Stress, The Four Steps to Rewire Your Brain, and he has committed his life to helping people understand that quiet stress and anxiety navigate life's challenges and more creatively and live happier, more fulfilled lives. Oof, I cannot wait to dive into all of that. Welcome to the show, Don. Interesting to have somebody on here to, you know, be promoting and being the official archive of somebody like Anthony DeMello. How did you get into being a part of that um, in your own personal, I guess your own personal journey of development did it lead you to there? Or how did how did you get to do what you do today? Well, yeah, I suppose it, I suppose it did lead me to there. There, there was a a foundation that was looking to uh, bring the works of Anthony Namello more and more out into the world. He's already pretty out there, you know. He sold almost three million books, and he's published all over the world. Even though he died in 1987, um, and so they were looking for somebody who's been in this field, the field I call psychospirituality, which is a blend of psychology, neuroscience, and, and a practical kind of spirituality to, um, to help people heal, to help people shift uh, the anxiety, the stress, the disappointment, the, the degree of uh, struggle that they're having in their lives 
to begin to open to, to what's available to them, always available, which is a, a state of um, peace, being at peace with yourself, being happy within yourself. And so I came into this field, this field of, called psycho-spirituality, I came into it actually the hard way years ago. Um, I experienced what you might call a perfect storm of stress. I had a, an executive level position pretty high up at Stanford Medical School that I devoted a decade or more climbing the career ladder to reach. And nine days after uh, losing that job, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor that the doctors uh, predicted was going to leave me um, disabled, maybe potentially unable to work ever again. And I was married with four children. My marriage was in trouble because my focus had up until that point had really been on my career. And suddenly, you know, my life was coming apart at the seams and it seemed there was nothing I could do to stop the catastrophe. And, you know, I had to wait about six weeks for brain surgery, which was a relief. You know, there's no hurry to have my, my brain cut into. But what I underestimated the amount of rumination I would put myself through in the first two weeks, it was emotionally terrifying, painful. Every night, you know, I'd wake up like at three in the morning, stare out into the, the, the big picture window in our living room, out into this cold, dark night that looked like a black hole that was going to suck me and my family into its oblivion, just really terrified. And, and about two weeks into this process, I, um, I reached a point where I, I seriously questioned which was worse, the dire problems, you know, that were predicted for me by the physicians, by the surgeon, that might happen to me in the future, or the abject fear that was happening in me every day, along with all the stress it brought on. And, um, and you know, it was, it, it was obvious that was worse, uh, the fear, the bone-chilling fear that it was consuming me. It was depleting the strength I needed to get through whatever I was going to have to get through. I could really feel that in my body. And so I decided for the next half hour or so, I was going to use a process I had learned from one of America's uh, great psychologists, a person I had a privilege of um, mentoring with. It was a process um, that I understood, but I had never used really. <laughs> I taught it to other people, but, uh, you know, I didn't apply it to my own life. And now I, I could see I really needed it. And I wanted to see if did it really work. And the process was pretty simple. It was um, just being diligently aware of every fearful, painful, stress-provoking thought that I was thinking and, and the emotional state it was generating and, um, and observing, simply observing not interfering with it, not trying to change it into something else, uh, stop stopping myself from repressing it or suppressing it, um, but just allowing it to come into awareness and, and then seeing these thoughts and emotions, these frightening thoughts and emotions as in me, as not necessarily in reality. Certainly, certainly the situation I faced was serious, but this emotional reaction, this terror that I was in, that was happening in me. It was, and so I did that. I was very diligent about 
about allowing myself to experience those emotions. It was very, and it was very difficult to do at first because there was so much I had been repressing in the way of fear. But after about half an hour, to my amazement, what I saw was that when I embraced that pain and I owned it, when I embraced that fear, it passed. And it left me um, free, in a sense. It left me, that sense of freedom began with a feeling of relief, relief that to be, to not be in terror anymore. And gradually it deepened into a feeling of, of being at peace, a feeling okay. I even had a glimmer of, of um, optimism and I could feel my heart open. I could feel some sensation, some tingling in my heart as it was beginning to open. It had been so shut down by fear. And I, I, I knew I'd crossed the river. I'd crossed into to better territory because when I looked out that big picture window, I didn't see the cold, dark night of that black hole and the oblivion of it about to suck me in. You could see that it was a beautiful night. Uh, you know, there was a big moon out. It was shining on the beautiful oak tree in the front of our home, and, and it was shimmering. And it made the night feel almost sacred. And so I made up my mind right then and there. I had no idea I was making up my mind for the rest of my life. I was only thinking in terms of getting getting between where I was then and through the surgery. And I made up my mind I was going to let go of fear and anxiety and stress in this way whenever it raised its head. And I was able to do that. I mean, I certainly had fearful moments, um, fearful thoughts, but I didn't indulge them. And I got to the point where when they would arise, uh, I would shift out of them almost at the point of inception. And I began to experience freedom, at least freedom from my own, my mind's own capacity, my brain's own capacity to torture me, you know, with its, with, with, um, with its illusions about the future. Um, and, you know, when I actually showed up for surgery, um, I was in a really good place. A friend of mine, very dear friend of mine was with me. Um, he, he, he said, you know, you almost seem like you're in bliss. And I, I wouldn't say I was in bliss, but I was confident. I was secure within my own self. And it turned out that the surgery was a complete success, it spared me a life of disability. And, you know, if I'd asked neuroscience back then, this was back in the late 1980s, if I would have asked them, if this shift in consciousness, this shift in attitude that I had experienced from fear to, to a greater sense of peace, had it, had it influenced the outcome of that surgery, they would have told me that I was just talking hippie nonsense. Uh, but since then, uh, it's begun, it's, it's come to be called the mind-body connection, and it's, it's not even a theory anymore. It's definitive. You know, our, our uh, state of mind controls the state of our biology. It, it absolutely controls the state of our brain, whether our brain wires for knee-jerk stress reactions or wires for um, 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 the kind of, of experience of life we're, we're, we're born to have and should have, and most of us don't have. We live, so many people are living a life of anxiety. And so I stayed at Stanford, I even got my job back at Stanford, uh, a guy at the um, Department of Psychiatry, the, the chairman of the department, of the psychiatrist there, he'd heard about this guy with this 
this great attitude facing, you know, these dire circumstances. And he called me, asked me to come in and talk to him. He wanted to offer me a job in his department because he wanted that kind of attitude in what he called my God's forsaken department. And so I stayed there for a couple of more years. And then I left because I just, my heart was calling me to, to do the kind of work, the, the spiritual work that, that had saved me. And so I ended up at a place called the Center for Attitudinal Healing, working with Jerry Jampolsky, a very famous psychiatrist who founded a school of psychology based on attitude. And he wrote the book, Love is Letting Go of Fear. And we work with some of the most stressful situations anybody ever faces in the world and um, pioneered an approach to overcoming catastrophic life events that won the uh, Excellence in Medicine Award from the American Medical Association. And that led to other work. I went out and worked in the corporate world, um, helping, uh, you know, very stressful workplaces, people in those environments to, to shift their experience without anything, without any of the man shifting, but internally to make that shift internally to, to where they become larger than circumstances. And then it eventually led to this gig that I'm doing right now. And here you are. Oh, what a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. And we're definitely, I like to nerd out about the mind-body connection and, you know, the psycho-spirituality. We've talked about it plenty of times on this show. And for me, what got me into that notion of mind-body, like, oh, is this woo-woo or is this fact, was the fact of placebo effect. Is, is a real thing and any 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 test any research that that the medical industry has to do they have to account for that and the fact that they have to account for that for me was 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 proving the fact that the mind-body connection is real so to your point when you said in the late 80s i know that really wasn't a thing but placebo effect was 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 like well, see what effect's been around for a while. I, I'm not even sure when that kind of came about, but yeah, yeah, it's been around. A little, what came about in World War II? Yeah, there was yeah, the the uh, there was a surgeon who ran out of morphine, and so he began to give give them give the soldiers uh, saline solutions, telling them it was morphine. And with 40% of the guys, and these guys were, were had severe injuries and were in severe pain, and it worked on them. And um, and he went on to do research at, at Harvard, and, and he brought it forward. But um, medicine did ignore it, you know. I mean, yeah, the placebo effect, they shrugged their shoulders, but... Uh, it's 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 a real it's it's a real phenomena, and in, to some extent, you can almost say that we're, our whole lives are living out a placebo effect. You know, they they're doing the research now at Harvard on expectancy. You know, the power of suggestion and what they're discovering. They now call this the expectancy effect. Is that you know um, all of our moods are determined by the thoughts we believe. And, and, and what we think will happen, and that it actually is a powerful force in determining what does happen. In other words, we get what we expect to get. So change your expectations, and what you manifest around you in your life 
begins to change, begins to align with your expectations. And that will work either way. Either it'll align negatively to give you circumstances you you don't want, even though that your attitude is a force in choosing those into your life, or the reverse, positive outcomes, abundance, those kinds of things that people seek. And the most important, I think, part of it all is that it's a turning inward. It's, you know, one of the things about DeMello in this book, Stop Fixing Yourself, is that it's centered in the reality that we were born happy. Human beings, every single human being is born with a capacity innately to be happy. And yet in this world, it's hard to find a completely happy person. In fact, if you look at the data, it's only 4% of the population. And that's ironic, given that we're born happy. We're born free, but we become trapped in our own limited thinking. We're born with this open heart that stress and fear so easily close. We were born gifted beings of immeasurable worth, but so often people feel that they're not good enough. Um, they, you know, they they feel guilt and shame, and you know this it's this there's this divinity of joy within us and surrounding us. It's there to make our life meaningful and beautiful and rich, but we've become blocked from seeing it. It's almost as if you know we've been hypnotized to see what's not there and to not see what is there. And so, you know, what DeMello is saying, Anthony DeMello is saying in his books is he's raising the question, well, how did that happen? How did we get so disconnected from this natural state that it is something that we all are out there seeking that we possess already? But but we're, our mind, but the way we think about ourselves and about the world and about reality blocks us from it. And, you know, where does that come from? And his point of view is, is that society programmed all of that, that power right out of us. It stamped us into us the belief that happiness and self-worth, they're found out there in the world, not inside you. But you have to seek them out there in the world. And if you work long and hard, you know, success will come. And out of that, happiness and fulfillment will follow. And We've all swallowed that formula, and 10 years later, we realize that success may have come to whatever degree it's come, but without fulfillment. And that's failing at living, as, as Tony Robbins says, says, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure in life. And it's endemic. It's, I mean, it's epidemic. So waking up is the realization that contrary to what society has taught us, nothing Absolutely nothing of the world can make us happy. And it's not that success isn't important. Of course it is. But success is not the same as fulfillment. Success is not the thing that brings happiness. Fulfillment doesn't come from the world. Happiness doesn't come from the world. Not that radiant happiness of a child that's, you know, constant, that makes you smile for no reason. In fact, you know, when science looks to find out what is the basic essential nature inside every human being. They look to children before they get contaminated by the way in which they're socialized, you know, by their parents, by their schools, by religion. And then as they go off as adults out into the world of, of work. And what they find that prior to that, 
you know, children are quite innocent, quite beautiful, in a state of wonder. It's really happiness is comes to them really, really easily. Um, they can be crying one moment and shift the next moment into a very happy state. Um, and you know, they they that's because happiness comes from within. And the truth is, there's not a single moment in a person's life when they don't have everything they need to be happy. And the only reason we're ever unhappy is because we're focusing on, on what we don't have rather than on focusing on what we have right here, right now. And this new book, Stop Fixing Yourself, that I assembled from the archives of Anthony DeMello, it helps you rediscover that truth about yourself. Amazing. I couldn't agree more. And to kind of harp on that child point, for me, that's how I put those pieces together is, you know, our subconscious, we're completely in our subconscious brains until about nine or 10 or so. So not only you have society, you have your family, um, school, like you mentioned, we're completely, what that means is we're just like this huge sponge um, from, you know, little kids. And yes, things later on in life, kind of wear us down too. Um, but it's so interesting how we come into this world completely pure and like this in our natural state. But as time goes on, like you said, we get programmed. But this isn't doom and gloom. We have it in us at any moment to choose differently, to choose what we focus on. And I know in this book and in other works from Anthony DeMello, what kind of process can we use immediately to, to actually shift and raise that level of fulfillment and happiness to our natural state? Yeah. Uh, well, he definitely has an answer to that. <laughs> and it begins with, um, first of all, you taking on the possibility that what you just said to all of us is true. It, you know, that we're not broken. We're not some problem to be solved. Uh, the, we're not, you know, the, the level of programming that is creating misery or, or suffering in our lives, we're, we're not to blame for it, um, but we're responsible for changing it. So the first message DeMello gives us is you're okay. If there's a problem, it's the way that you were programmed to believe that without something or some person or some result, you cannot be happy. And it's a false belief. Um, it's a false belief that's causing you to suffer. And so what DeMello wants us to confront, invites us actually to confront right from the beginning is the role that attachment plays in our life. You know, the Buddha said that uh, attachment is the source of, of all suffering. Um, so what is an attachment? Well, an attachment is an emotional state of clinging that's caused by the belief that without something or some person or some result, you cannot be happy. Um, you know, at some point, I invite your listeners to take out a piece of paper and write at the top of it, I cannot be happy until or unless, and then draw a line and then underneath it, write down uh, fill in the blank. In other words, for example, I cannot be happy unless my boss appreciates me 
or I cannot be happy until I'm out of debt, or I cannot be happy until the pandemic is over, or I cannot be happy until the Democrats or Republicans uh, win. I, you know, the, the, what people will end up with is a big, big, long list. And then look at that list, look it over and consider that these thoughts, these that have turned into your beliefs that that were you, that were you were indoctrinated into believing they block your natural state of happiness and fulfillment and spend some time seeing each thing that you cling to it may be i cannot be happy unless i get a new car <laughs> you know i mean it goes on and on those things that you cling to for what they really are it's they're the, a nightmare that causes you excitement and pleasure on the one hand but really very quickly turns around and causes you worry and security and tension and anxiety and fear. Uh, uh, if, if you look carefully, you'll see that the one and only thing that causes your unhappiness are these attachments. Um, and they are composed of those two elements. One that gives you some excitement that's very short-lived and the other that causes you uh, negative feelings, like how am I going to hold on to this? So I get my soulmate. How do I hold on to my soulmate? Or if I, I get out of debt, how do I stay out of debt? Or if I win my boss's praise, how do I get it next time? I mean, it goes on and on. We, we're constantly going in circles in that kind of way. And so how is it that you begin to deprogram yourself from these attachments that society has programmed into and the answer here, again, is very simple. Most people confuse, at times, simple to mean easy. It's not necessarily easy, but the process is simple. And that process is awareness. What you are aware of, you begin to control. And what you're unaware of will control you. And what you're unaware of means what you're suppressing, what you're, what you're, um, what you're oppressing that suppressing this oppressing you so again it's enough for you to simply be watchful and aware and through that all that is neurotic within you all that neurosis that get programmed into you will drop and you'll wake up uh, awareness allows you to see and feel what's going on inside you that sabotages your happiness so the first thing you need to do is you need to get in touch with those negative feelings like like the, my story that i told at the beginning Get in touch with those negative feelings, those fears, that pessimism, those judgments, that self-condemnation, those feelings of not being good enough, hurt feelings, depression, gloomy feelings, feelings that you tend to push away and try to repress. So get in touch with those. Observe the thoughts you're thinking that produce them, but most, most especially stay centered in the feeling. Um, and, and look and notice the way it leads to a narrowing of your perspective that turns into an attitude that disempowers you, an attitude of pessimism. And step back from it as you're observing it, almost as if you're watching somebody else suffering like this. But at the same time, allowing yourself to be in the middle of the turmoil. That's step number one. Feel those feelings. And sometimes people think that they will be overwhelmed. It'll kill them if they let them let all those feelings up. You'll be okay. I guarantee you. Uh, just allow yourself to, to take a half step. And by a half step, I mean, don't be afraid of being afraid. Or don't be pessimistic about your pessimism. Just 
to take that first half step into going deeper and then go and then ask yourself, what is this fear that I'm feeling? What does it feel like? And allow it to arise. Um, and then the second step is to acknowledge that this negative feeling is in you. It's not in reality. You know, it, it's not happening um, to you. It's happening in you. And even the more you do this, the more you'll come to understand it's also happening for you to help you wake up, to come home, back home to yourself, inviting you to return to love. And so you do that. So it's it's in me, not in reality. Like, for example, you you plan for a lovely birthday picnic and, you, you know, you load up the car and you go to the picnic ground and it starts to rain and you get really upset. Well, is the rain the reason for you upset? No, the rain is just being the rain. It's neutral. It's just doing its thing. The upset is you. So you bring that back. You own it. Now, from that state of responsibility, you can begin to see it clearly, understand it. And don't judge yourself for it. Or if you do judge yourself, just watch that. Notice the things you say to yourself. Notice the painful feelings they turn into. And watch it rather objectively if, if you're watching it in someone else. Um, and eventually what you want to move to is a non-judgmental state of seeing how this program plays out in you without judging yourself for it. Um, and don't define your essential self in terms of the feelings, those negative feelings you're having, your upsets have nothing to do with your true self. So DeMello tells us, don't say I am depressed. You know, our brain is very literal. So if you say I am depressed, it's going to set off an algorithm from the brain that leads to, to reinforce your a feeling of depression. Or don't say, um, say I, I am afraid. The same thing will happen. You know, you're identifying with it. You can say, my experience is depression right now. My experience is fear right now. My experience is pessimism right now. Uh, my experience is self-condemnation, shame right now. But not uh, I am depressed or I am ashamed. When you say that, you're defining yourself in terms of that feeling, and that's your illusion. That's the mistake we make. In no way does that feeling affect your central self your essential self. Um, and the fourth step is to remember a, a truth that all our grandparents have told us that, that when we were in a crisis, we didn't believe, but that is that everything passes. This fear you win, it will pass. This too will pass. And as you, as you remind yourself of that, you'll notice you begin to calm down. And as you calm down, I always invite people to let their mind go silent. Just go completely still, as still as you can make it. And what you will notice is that your heart will begin to flutter a little bit. That feeling you'll get is that your heart's beginning to open. Fear, depression, shuts your heart down. Now it's, you're, you're in contact with it. And what you will know, what begins to arise is a feeling of safety, a feeling of contentment. And if you relax into it um, in a few moments, you'll be at peace with yourself. And if you relax a little bit more, you'll, you'll begin to notice a feeling of connection uh, within yourself that it's extending out and connecting with, with all that is. Um, and you do this for a couple of weeks. Um, you get started. What you will experience 
incrementally, rather quickly, um, is the quality of your experiences beginning to change. You're different. You're responding to life differently, all from this process of awareness. You're much more alive. Uh, your eyes reopen to the truth that people everywhere are searching for, namely that, that fountainhead of peace and joy that hides in every human heart. And, you know, the upsets will keep coming depending on the depth of your programming. But I can assure you this. I've not seen a single person who gave time to being aware in this, in this way who didn't quickly begin to feel a, a magnificent um, and profound shift happening in their experience of life. Yeah, awareness is key. Awareness, and we all have it. And it, for me, it's, it's like almost taking, it's the matrix, taking the red pill or the blue pill. You know, once you start to understand this, there's no going back. Some, day, some days, depending on your programming, might feel like you're going backwards or you might feel like, am I doing this right? But it's that key of becoming more aware instead of practicing a process like Don just described. And for me, what I find simple, not easy, but simple to do in addition to the first step you mentioned was every night I write down the emotions that I feel every day. And after a while, you'll see there are certain emotions that you might be programmed to be feeling no matter what the external experience is. And for me, that was really helpful to realize what emotions that I would, my program personality was addicted to, if you will. Um, like you said, in different ways, what you resist persists. So what, what do you have to become aware and being okay with feeling? And for me, it was huge. It was a game changer to realize, oh, wow, there, there are a lot of themes coming up. Like <laughs> every day I start, there's like this, these few emotions that I feel a lot. And that's where I might need to add some deeper awareness to and, and focus my, my light on there. So thank you for that beautiful, simple. I like how you said simple, but doesn't necessarily mean easy. <laughs> no, at first of May, it, it doesn't feel easy, but it, yeah. As it goes on, it, it gets easier. You know, um, I love the idea of, of writing things down the way that you talked about. Yeah. Uh, journaling is, is a terrific thing. It kind of grounds you. you so you journal about, uh, yeah, what are, what are these uh, feelings and emotions that I've been repressing and push, pushing away, uh, pretending that they're not there, that I'm now discovering they've been there the whole time. These and these attachments. What are my attachments? You know, uh, how you know, and my attachments, and and what is this pro? What have I been programmed into in the way of my identity about what the world says who I should be, and how the world should be, and what I should want to begin to see how those are are oppressing you, and to write them down. When you when when you see through them, and then when you see through them to the other side, write down that experience when your mind lights up with that feeling of freedom that these things are not uh, solid; they're illusions. They've been holding you back, and and now you're seeing through them. And then you you can also write about how when you begin to see through what's been holding you back, you're not judging other people as much because you're able to see through their the way in which they're behaving out of their program and to feel compassion for them and you know with your attachments 
Um, the most important thing to say, it's okay to have an attachment. DeMello is not about um, uh, renouncing the material world. Uh, not at all. You know, he's saying one uses the material world, one enjoys the material world, but one does not make one's happiness depend on the material world. You know, you could, if if you uh, always wanted a, a certain kind of car, a beautiful kind of car, and you got it, go ahead, enjoy it, you know, but don't think that you, your intrinsic, your inherent happiness is dependent on keeping that car. That car is going to wear out. Everything wears out on this earth. Somebody's going to ding it. You know, it's like that. You just keep letting go, enjoy it, letting go, and, and not being attached to it. And the irony is when you are detached from the material world, as you pursue success, as you, as you pursue uh, acquiring the things that you want to acquire, you actually enjoy the process more than when, uh, than when you believed your self-worth and your peace and happiness depended on an outcome on the outcome going a certain way. You know, one thing about this world is that the world gives, the world takes away. The world, you know, you're riding high in April, you're shot down in May. That's just the way of the world. So that if you're looking to the outside world to be happy and at peace and to feel intrinsically worthy, you're going to lose. You're going to go up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, so, But if you do succeed, if you acquire the things you get, great. If you fail, your happiness and self-worth are not at stake. That's freedom. That is freedom. Thank you for throwing it's in, in the some. World, but not, not of it. That's exactly yeah. what Jesus meant when he said, be in the world, but not of it. Yeah, I was, we, wow, about exactly what you're going to say. The process is what I wanted to say in response to you. It's the, a quote that I always have in my mind is a person who enjoys that process or the journey more than a destination is somebody who is unstoppable. And that's the same thing you just described. It's who you are being. And that doesn't mean you, you're not going to change when you have those attachments or don't have those attachments. Who are you being? Who are you becoming? It's how I kind of um, conceptualize that. Um, no matter what's going on externally, no matter what attachments or material things we have or don't have, it's you know, some, if I want to be somebody with a million dollars with a nice car and I know what that process of who I need to be to manifest or, or generate that a million dollars, am I going to change that once I get the million dollars and just stop and forget everything that I did? No, you'll, you'll still have those habits, those skills, probably a lot of emotional awareness. Like we just talked about here too, but for me, it's, it's the beingness of it all. Very well said. Very well said. Well, thank you so much, Don. I looked down at the clock and time flies when you're when you're yeah. going deep here. Um, was there anything else you wanted to kind of wrap up or tie loose ends before we start to close the show? Yeah, I would invite people to take a look at this book, Stop Fixing Yourself, that I assembled. It's it's uh, all of the words are Anthony DeMello's words, and uh, it's a, it's a, arranged in an intriguing way. Um, and you can get it at Amazon. It's been out now for about nine months. So the price of it's come down. It's a good time to buy it um, and put it to work at the and put this awareness process to work. Eventually, what you will discover is that through the process of awareness is that 
all of these identities that you've been programmed to have, you know, to identity uh, uh, to be a success in this world as, as one of them, as they begin to drop, what you discover is that what remains is this state of awareness. And then you then you begin to realize that that's spirit. That's that's your true self right there. That's that's been uh, blocked, hidden behind all these identities and attachments that we've been programmed into living out of. And when they go, uh, it's just pure, unadulterated you alive and well in this world, uh, able to to live freely in the moment. Uh, thank you so much, John, for coming on today, reiterating these pearls of wisdom of your own, of Anthony DeMello's, and thank you for choosing that authentic part of you through, you know, your own journey of your, your brains and your surgery, not happening to you, but happening for you. And look at that beautiful growth that has led you to where you are and who you are, who you truly are today. And we ask every guest, how may we, the listeners, as an act of gratitude, be of service for you in return today, Don? Mine would be to um, take a moment and think about this, that there's not a single moment in your life when you don't have everything you need to be happy that you were born happy. It's in you. Uh, it's, it's in your spiritual DNA to be happy. And the only reason that we're ever unhappy is we're focusing on what we don't have rather than what we have. So take a look at all that you have right here, right now, in this moment, what surrounds you, and, and let your heart open to it. Mm, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. And remember, open up, surrender, trust, and let your body lead the way.